the three angels' messages. We etch them in our stained glass. We artistically engrave them on our letterhead and on our logos. But tragically, most Adventists, if asked, would not be able to tell you what each of these three angels' messages are, much less what they represent in their own personal life. Did you hear me? We as a denomination, as a movement, I believe, truly of destiny, were called to trumpet these messages at this time to a world that as never before is lulled to sleep by its own accomplishments, by its own scientific knowledge and power, by its own enlightenment, and by its own entertainment industry. However, in many Adventist pulpits and in many Adventist homes, the trumpets of the three angels lie silent, replaced in turn by pop psychology and an incredible desire to fit in to the greater Christian world. There is a movement sweeping across many areas of Adventism, drastically and energetically proclaiming that we must become a generic denomination rather than one who has a clear mission and purpose, which is to proclaim the three angels' message of Revelation chapter 14. And brothers and sisters, when we forget why we're here, we truly are wandering in the desert. I was sharing with those attending my afternoon seminar that a few years back when Randy and his older brother Robbie were about seven and nine years of age, for Christmas I went in Hong Kong to Toys R Us. They have Toys R Us there. And as I shared with the group then, you know, most of the toys are made over there. Why not have a Toys R Us there? And so they have a Toys R Us, and I went and I bought a game, a board game called Risk. Any of you heard of that game? Risk, yeah, Risk. You know, you have these different pieces and, and like armies, and you try to conquer these different countries, and the object of the game is to conquer the world. Well, when I went and bought this Chinese version of Risk, and it had bilingual on there, I opened it up and I realized that times had changed. You see, the normal game of risk that I played was replaced with an advanced and better game of risk. You had the normal traditional conquer the world rules, but then you now had a new kind of risk called special mission risk. And the idea was that you doled out the little pieces, the armies, and then you secretly gave every person at the board a little card and on it was your special mission. And the object of the game was to accomplish that special mission, be it to conquer South America and North America and hold it for one turn and then you win the game, or be it conquer Europe and Asia and hold it for one turn and that would be the winning of the game. And as I was playing with my kids, this game, it just hit me, it struck me. It was almost like that proverbial light went off in my head. That's it! 
From the pages of history, God has called the Adventist movement and handed it a special mission card. Amen? And He said to us as a denomination, take this message, the last preached message in the book of Revelation. Go try to find something else after Revelation 14 that talks about preaching. This is it. This is the message of warning to the world. And go, movement, and warn the world that I'm coming soon. Proclaim the three angels' message. And when we take that special mission card and we tear it up or we try to hide it under some bushel somewhere, we will not win the game. We will be wandering as in a desert. And so this morning, with uh, the time I have left, I would like to review with you these three angels' message. Is that okay? Take your Bibles, please. I want to review these. I had somebody come up to me yesterday and say, Hey, you shortchanged us 15 minutes. What is the deal? We didn't get our money's worth. You know, I always figure it's better to sit down when they want you to keep preaching than to keep preaching when they're glad you sit down. And so today, I might take an extra five of those 15 that I didn't use yesterday, if that's okay. First angel's message, Revelation chapter 14. And I want to say this before we begin the study. Please do not associate these three angels' message to the work that Elder Jean Paulson needs to do, and it's his responsibility. Do not associate the proclamation of these three angels' message to something that your pastor only needs to do. When we review this message, this is the message that you and I, as members of Christ's body, as members of His remnant church, are called to proclaim. Amen? This is what we're called to proclaim. So let's review it together again, starting in Revelation chapter 14, verse 6. Are you there with me? Say amen. Revelation chapter 14, verse 6. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having interesting, isn't it? Flying. You do not see a picture of three angels sitting around a postum table sipping tea. The angels have a sense of what? Urgency. They have a sense of, we've got to get the job done. They are flying through the midst of heaven. But yet sometimes I see us dragging our feet, saying evangelism doesn't work. Nobody will listen to this message. What is that? Is God dead? Are the angels sitting now in some bus stop waiting to catch a ride back home? My brothers and sisters, the message says clearly here, the angels are flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation and tribe and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, verse 7, Fear God and give glory to Him for the hour of His judgment. What? Has come. It's here. Wake up, world. We're nearing the end of time. The hour of His judgment has come, and worship Him who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and the springs of water. You see, folks, I have had conversations that say, well, you know, the three angels' message, they seem so harsh. It seems so almost legalistic. I would like to point to your 
to chapter 14, verse 6. At the beginning of the three angels' message, as well as at the end of the three angels' message, we have a clear injunction to preach the everlasting gospel. That everlasting gospel found and recorded there in John chapter 3, verse 16 through 18, that says, For God so loved the world that He gave, gave. Remember that first message we talked about the gospel, the good news, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That gospel that is recorded in verse 17 that says, For God did not send His world to point fingers at us and condemn us, but that the world through Him might be what? Saved. That's the everlasting gospel. Verse 18 of chapter 3 of John, He who believes in Him is not condemned. That's the good news. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. He who believes in the Son, verse 36, has everlasting life. And he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. This is the first angel's message. It starts with the proclamation of the everlasting gospel. Are you proclaiming it? Are you looking for opportunities to share the hope that is within you? Are you looking for opportunities to be His hands, providing that peace and joy that comes in a relationship with Jesus Christ? And you know what? This gospel is to go to every kindred, tongue, and nation. That's why the Seventh-day Adventist Church is not a regional church. It is a worldwide movement. Can I hear an amen? amen? We must continue to support the worldwide mission of this church because it's part of our destiny. It's part of who we are to go to every kindred, tongue, and nation. And we are called to let people know that we must, they must fear God. Why? Why must they fear God? Because the hour of, of His judgment has come. The beautiful understanding of prophecy that we have that comes forth from Daniel chapter 8. Understanding that longest of time prophecies, the 2300 days ending in 1844, we know better than anyone else knows that we truly are living in the time of the end. Should we not let people know that? Should we not let people know that time is coming to a close? Should we not let people know that are going about doing their things, marrying and giving in marriage, that Christ is coming soon? That the judgment has come? Historically, this message began to be preached in 1843 as a movement. But I would suggest to you today that this message must continue to be proclaimed. Amen? The first angel's message concludes with a direct reference to the Creator God. We are to fear Him and give glory and honor to Him, not only because the hour of His judgment has come, but because He is the only one worthy of worship.
time and time again in Scripture, start in the book of Genesis and in the book of Revelation, you see that the reason the Scriptures give to worship God is because He is the Creator. And therefore, the three angels' message is also a message that is an inoculation against atheistic or even theistic evolution. This message points people to the reality that God is our creator and therefore he can also, praise the Lord, be our recreator. Why is it that we believe that it's too hard for him to create in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, in six days, be done with it? Why is that too difficult for God, but it's not too difficult for him to raise us from the dust and recreate us in his own image? If my God can recreate me, I believe he created us, don't you? And so this message, this first angel's message reminds us that we must proclaim to the world that God is not just an idea. He is not just a force. He is not just something that's there. He is our personal creator and redeemer. Let's go to the second angel's message. Are you there? Revelation chapter 14, verse 8. The angel, another angel followed, saying, what does he say? Babylon is fallen, is fallen. You hear the echo. The great city, because she has made all the nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. You know, there is a direct linkage between the first angel's message and the second angel's message. You know how I know that? Because of the word that says, another angel they're connected the first angel preaches the first first angel proclaims his message and then we look and another angel followed after that these are connected how is it that we can what he's saying here is that in order for us to worship god in order for us to give glory to god we must repudiate babylon We must repudiate, we must give up all false systems of worship and all false systems of religion. Turn with me quickly back to 2 Timothy chapter 3, I mean chapter 2 verse 19. Did you know that the second angel's message was also in the book of one of Paul's books? Did you know that? Well, I'm going to show you. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 19. Are you there? Okay, this is the second angel's message from Paul. Are you ready? Here he says, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those whom are His. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from what? Iniquity. Babylon is fallen. Babylon is fallen, is fallen. Depart from iniquity. If you're Christ, what relationship do you have with darkness? If you are His, depart from that which is mixed up. Depart from that which is half-truths and come fully into the light of Jesus Christ. Babylon is a place of confusion in Scripture. In fact, the name Babylon means confusion. It's something imperfect. It's something fallen from God's favor and from His meaning. Did you know that here in Revelation chapter 14 verse 8 we find the first time the word Babylon is used in the book of Revelation. And it is used six times in the book of Revelation. Interesting because six 
was a special prominent number in the mystery religion of ancient Babylon. And where does Babylon have its roots? It has its roots in rebellion against God. Think about it. Babylon's roots are in rebellion against God. Take your Bibles and let's go back to Genesis chapter 11, verse 4. You brought your Bibles today, right? Genesis chapter 11, verse 4. And I'm reading... Genesis chapter 11, verse 4, And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a what? A city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole world. Why were they building this tower? Because they did not believe God. They wanted to stand up against God. Did they not? In fact, look at verse 4. It says, Let us... Build for ourselves a city. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered. The point is, it's, it's, we've got to take care of ourselves. It's us against Him. You see, Babylon had its roots in a group of people trying to make a, make a name for themselves by relying on their own strength with a total disregard for the word of God. Did God not say he would not destroy the world by a flood again? Did he not say that? Did they believe him? No. They set their own authority up as greater than the thus saith the Lord. The same thing happens at the end of time. And God is calling us out of systems that rely on tradition that rely on the opinions of men and to stand in contrast from Babylon to stand with God's remnant people to stand with those who keep the commandments of God and have the faith of who? of Jesus so God's people are called out of confusion like Paul quoting from the book of Numbers said in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 Look at this. In the context of the second angel's message, look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16 through 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16 says, And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? Boy, there's a whole message right there, isn't there? Why is it that as human beings, we love to try to get as close, as close to darkness as possible without being in it? And Paul screams at us and he says, excuse me, what agreement, what do we have in common, the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them, and I will walk with them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. We have no relationship with the world. We now are the people of God. Amen? What do we have to do with confusion? What do we have to do with man-made tradition? We must stand on the thus, saith the Lord. The second angel's message is a proclamation to say, go to the word of God. Stand on the Word of God and join those who do the same, who want to stand on the commandments of God and who have the same faith that Jesus Christ had and also have a faith in Him. Amen?
And look at what verse 17 says. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate. Is that the second angel's message? Yes. He says, come out and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord Almighty. I want to be a son of God. I want to feel his embrace. Have you thought? I've thought of this so many times. The day that you meet Jesus face to face. I love to think about that. I imagine that when we get to heaven, there's got to be a line to see him. Don't you think? Maybe I'm just so used to the way things work here. But I I assume that there will be a line. And trust me, it will be longer than the line to the cafeteria. I assume that it might be miles long. But you know what? We got the time. In fact, on the journey to see him finally face to face, we will be sharing our testimony. We will be meeting people from every age who have called upon the name of the Lord. It will be a fantastic journey. And I imagine that coming to Jesus, he will not look to Gabriel and say, Okay, who is this guy coming here? Tell me. Pull out the book. Okay. Bob. Bob what? How do you pronounce that last name? I do not believe that will happen. As soon as his eye catches my eye, he will say, Bob, Bob. I want him to be my father. Don't you? And we are called to invite a world that is playing with sin. We are called to invite a world that is totally ensnared and mesmerized by the prince of darkness to step out of confusion into the light. That's the second angel's message. It's evangelism. It's saying, come into the light of Christ Jesus. Call him your father. He wants to be your, he wants you to be his son. He wants you to be his daughter. Historically, when you read the history of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, this message began to be preached by our church in the early months of 1844 as many of the Adventists of the day were being excommunicated or disciplined or censured and kicked out of their churches because of their belief in, in, in the commandments of God and because of their belief in the second coming of Christ. The early Adventists began to associate themselves with this Message of coming out of confusion and standing for what they believe. And I want to ask you, I want to plead with you, please preach the second angel's message. That is why we are who we are. This is our mission to preach the three angels' message. And finally, let's go to Revelation chapter 14, verse 9. The third angel's message. Revelation chapter 14, verse 9 says, Then a third angel followed. Are you there with me? I want to make sure you're following. Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, Do you sense timidity here? Do you sense uncertainty here? 
I sense focus. I sense urgency. I sense a true commitment to get this message out. And this message says, saying with a loud voice, if anyone worship the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and with brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. We're not done yet. Verse 11. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. I challenge you to find another four verses of Scripture that are as solemn as this. I challenge you to find four verses of Scripture that carry so much warning and so much terribleness and so much... I don't know how to say it. It's, it's awesome. Why is that? Why is it the speaker who spoke... For God so loved the world, now talks about the gnashing of teeth, now talks about the smoke of their torment ascending, now talks about this fire that will burn and brimstone. Why is that? You know why? It's because the gloves are off, folks. In this great controversy between Christ and Satan, the last bell has rung. It's time to get serious. In other words, there's no time to mince words. This is a serious time. We're living at the end of time. And the consequences of following the devil and his cohorts must be made absolutely clear. You see, this whole message, this third angel's message is set in the context of a stern warning in a time of a worldwide apostasy. And an allegiance to the worship of the beast power, which is described in Revelation chapter 13. The final bell has rung in this great galactic fight between good and evil. And God must be completely clear. He must speak forcefully the truth. I would like to suggest to you as you read this third angel's message, though at the heart of this message is one word it is the word allegiance it's the word you could say authority who has authority in your heart in your life who do you give your allegiance to do you give it to God or do you give it to the beast Do you give it to God and therefore out of love for His salvation and His Son, Jesus Christ, you willfully submit to His commandments? Or do you be, worship the beasts and stand on the traditions of men and the authority of men? You see, folks, I believe that this mark of the beast must be something very clearly understood. Can you imagine if it's not something clear that somebody's thrown into this lake of fire and he raises his hand and he says, but I didn't understand. It's not fair. You didn't make it clear to me. I don't believe that will happen. God would not pour out his wrath and utter such terrible words of warning about something that is 
abstract or something that is vague or something that is ambiguous. Would you agree? Also, the mark of the beast must be something that is in total opposition to God and the seal of God, which is talked about in Revelation chapter 7, verses 1 through 3, which stands as a sign of His creative power, which I believe is the final act of creation, the Sabbath day. It follows then that the mark of the beast would be man's attempt to build his own modern tower of Babel. His own gate to God in complete opposition to the clear word of God to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And so you have false days of worship like Sunday and Friday and other things of that nature creeping out in total opposition to the word of God. In the sixth volume of the testimony, Sister White says, tells us that we don't fully understand. Page 17. We do not fully understand what and how things will transpire surrounding the mark of the beast. We cannot outline it day by day. We're not sure, but we understand the great brushstrokes. But to see this morning, we must be clear about this. It all has to do with who is calling the shots in your life today. It all has to do with who is the ruler, who is the boss, who is the overseer of your life, who is the Lord of your life. And you see, it's in that context that Sister White writes this. She says, Several have written to me inquiring if the message of justification by faith is the third angel's message. And I have answered, It is the third angel's message in verity. Have you heard that before? It is the third angel. And you know, I have read this statement by Sister White. And I have wrestled with it. How can... Smoke and brimstone and wrath and burning and, and all of that. How can that be the message of justification by faith? Why would she say that? And it finally occurred to me because at the heart of any conversion, at the core of any ability that the Holy Spirit has to regenerate us and to recreate us as a person is the total sacrifice of the will of man to the will of God. Those who burn in the fires of hell are those who have maintained control over their life. And that's why they follow the beast. Because it will be logical. It will be expedient. It will be economically profitable. After all, if you don't follow the beast, you will not be able to buy or sell. And you see, they have maintained control of their life. Maybe they're at a camp meeting like this someday. But they haven't completely given their heart to Christ. But when that crisis comes, when the beast raises his head and they must make a decision because they've never given their life completely to Christ with the small decisions of life, they will easily follow the beast at that time. You see, brothers and sisters, the third angel's message has to do with justification by faith because it has to do with total surrender to Jesus Christ. Total surrender to Jesus Christ. We must be wholly His if we are to be like Him. That is why this message is so critical. 
she wrote in manuscript releases number 16 she said the third angel's message is to be regarded as the highest importance it is a life and a death question the impression made by this message will be proportionate to the earnestness and solemnity with which it is proclaimed and yet folks I don't hear it being proclaimed we have been called as a church to proclaim the three angels message and if we don't proclaim it excuse me who's going to do it I believe the rocks are going to start talking if you think that our Baptist friends or our Methodist friends or our Episcopalian friends are going to start preaching the three angels message I'm not sure that's going to happen we have been given that mission and when we abdicate it I believe we dishonor God my dear brothers and sisters this message has to do with Jesus it has to do with our relationship with Jesus it has to do with submitting ourselves completely to Jesus not then but right now amen the three angels message is a message of warning it's the message of Amos in fact I could summarize the three angels message by just quoting Amos chapter 4 verse 12 Amos chapter 4 verse 12 I know you've heard it before Amos chapter 4 verse 12 is the message of the three angels in, 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 in a succinct fashion Amos writes in 4 verse 12 he says prepare to meet thy God that's what it is notice this text prepare it means be ready study the word equip yourself but I like the last part prepare to meet what thy God get ready to meet your dad get ready to embrace your father because he's coming soon don't vacillate don't get distracted by the things of this world don't be consumed by your account in this bank or your stocks in that brokerage firm be concerned with your relationship with your father through Jesus Christ the three angels message succinctly put in Amos 4:12 is simply this prepare to meet thy God are we not called to proclaim this message we are called to trumpet it to proclaim the three angels message to every kindred tongue and nation and guess what that includes your community in South Carolina your community in North Carolina and some of you have come as far away as Florida and even farther how committed are you brothers and sisters here to carry out this mission are you willing to trumpet this message how committed are you will be directly proportionate to how committed you are to Jesus Christ you know we're in the middle of a quite interesting election season are we not and it continues and it continues but I find it very 
interesting and invigorating that we have such a vibrant democracy. But when you think that this country, country was founded by a group of men and women who believed in what it meant to be America. And you know what? Because they believed in it, they paid for it dearly. Because the mission that they embarked in when they signed that Declaration of Independence was much bigger than themselves and extremely dangerous. We often glorify it and we think, why wouldn't it be great? CNN was there, Fox Television was there, everybody was applauding, it was wonderful. Hey, close to 50% of the Americas didn't want it. You see, when they gathered there in Philadelphia to sign that Declaration of Independence, those 56 men were signing, in essence, most likely, their death warrant. This small but drastic move on their part brought incredible suffering on themselves and their family. Did you know that of the 56 men, five of them were captured by the British and tortured before they died? Five of them, that's like 10%. Did you know that of the 56 men, 12 had their homes ransacked and burned to the ground? Two lost their sons in the Revolutionary Army. Another two had their sons captured. Nine of the 56 fought themselves and died in the Revolutionary Army because of the wounds and the hardship of the war. When they signed that document, they signed hardship. They committed themselves to the cause, to the mission that was an independent America. Carter Braxton of Virginia, a wealthy, wealthy planter and also a trader, saw all of his ships sunk by the British Navy. He sold his home and he sold his properties to pay his debts. And history tells us that Carter died in abject poverty. At the Battle of Yorktown, the British General Cornwallis had taken over Thomas Nelson's home for his headquarters. Thomas Nelson was also a signer of the Declaration of Independence. Nelson came to General Washington and ordered that the revolutionary forces open fire on his own home. The house was destroyed, and history tells us that Mr. Nelson died in bankruptcy. This is commitment, folks. This is commitment to the mission they held dear to their heart. And I would like to propose to you this morning that we have been given a mission of much greater consequence. Amen? Eternal consequence. We have been given a mission to proclaim an incredibly important message to the world. Are we willing to do it? Are we willing to proclaim it? And most importantly, are we willing to embrace personally Jesus as our Lord and as our Creator and receive happily His seal of approval? I pray you will respond not with a meek yes. I pray that you will respond with a resounding yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Here I am. I'm signing. I'm willing to run the distance. 
I'm willing to be used by you to proclaim this message. My brothers and sisters, Jesus is coming soon. He is coming soon. And we must together trumpet these messages louder than ever before. Louder than ever before. Lord in heaven, thank you for challenging us this morning. Please forgive us when we have been reticent maybe to open the scriptures to Revelation 14. Forgive us if we have been reticent to proclaim this message, but you have called every one of us in this place to be your messengers, to be your ambassadors, to be active agents to proclaim the three angels' message. Why, Lord? Because we love you. And because we want to warn the world that you're coming soon. Lord, bless us. Give us your courage. Give us your faith. And keep us close to Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen.